an honor to be here today. Um, there, there's nothing more uh, that I love than talking about Jesus. And uh, it's been a beautiful morning. Uh, we got some Pentecostal Holy Ghost filled worship up in here. All right. Uh, and, and we're stomping on the devil's head today. And so um, I'm going to do my best to stay in my time limit, but it's not going to happen. So I'm apologizing now half-heartedly um, because it's not me that matters. It's the one of whom I speak. And um, our, our theme this year is our story for his glory be the light. And uh, there's nothing I love more than a good story. Um, as I was reminiscing at lunch with some friends, you know, no pressure to come up here and be the funny, lighthearted one and film a moon shoes like that's ever going to happen by anyone, right? And I, when I said that this morning, I was like, oh my gosh, hit the panic button now and just take off. Like, you know, do I have COVID? Oh, I can't smell anything. Maybe, maybe I need to go. See, you're laughing because you've thought that at some point this year was some social obligation. Good, I'm not the only one. Um, just went from really cold to really hot in here. So, um, you know, I thought about the time recently, several years ago, when I was in Kenya on a mission trip. And uh, I was experiencing some culture shock. And if you've ever been over there, uh, we were in the bush working with the Poco people. And the restroom facility was nothing more than four pieces of corrugated sheet metal, right, stitched together. Well, not stitched, but, you know. And there's a hole in the ground, and I had to go to the bathroom. We'd been there three days, and I had to go to the bathroom. I'm going to push the limits a little bit today. So I go, and I'm like, Jesus, thank you. I need your help, man. So I get out, but there's a problem. I missed the hole. I missed the hole. And so I come out, and my, my group leader there, Jim, and if you know Jim, he's real laid back, and how you doing? Isn't God good? So I come out, and Jim is like, oh, Tara, I'm glad you're finished. I want you to be a part of the elders meeting and help decide what we're going to do. And I'm looking at him as like, how do I tell him? I mean, this is just awkward. How, I can't blame it on anyone. It's the only Russian facility there. There are 60 people from the tribe gathering at this man's house, and I just missed the hole. And I'm the only American woman on the trip, okay? So, like, the odds are forever stacked against me. And I was like, Jim, Jim, I really need to talk to you. And he's like, no, come over here and let's discuss the Jesus film. 20 minutes, the longest 20 minutes of my life. And I'm just kind of awkwardly watching out of the corner of my eye to see if anyone goes in there because it's like detrimental. <laughs> so finally afterwards, we decide whatever we decided. And I said, Jim, I've got to talk to you. Yeah, Tara. Is everything okay? Jim, I missed the hole. <laughs> I missed the hole. Um, I could tell you about the time that I had double carpal tunnel surgery several years ago and my friend's husband gave me a laxative that Sunday morning of Mother's Day before they left for church. I'll spare you. But I do want to share. <laughs> oh, this might be my last time here. First and last. <laughs> kind of feel like I'm here to break the mold in some way. All right. 
don't miss the hole, whatever you do. Just don't miss the hole. So, I'm going to tell you one of my favorite stories. Uh, it was the spring of 1999. I was a senior in high school in a little town called Clayton, Indiana. And uh, my sister, I have a twin sister. Don't worry, she looks nothing like me. And uh, we had started working when we were 15. And so our senior year, it's like, oh, it's our senior year. We should do something, right? And uh, she's always been an avid long-distance runner. I clearly am not. <laughs> when I found out there was a sport where you threw heavy things, I'm like, hey, sign me up. And um, so we decided to do track. And I noticed going to a small school that there were never three people that ran the two-mile. Because, like, who wants to run that, right? And so I kind of jokingly told my coach one day, I said, hey, I want to run a two-mile sometime. She was like, oh, yeah, right, Davis, you know, whatever. And I'm like, okay, good. That was a terrible idea. I knew it. I shouldn't have said anything, right? And so, um, and I threw shot put in discus, but I was really terrible. So on discus, the first line that's marked out is 65 feet. Y'all, I made it to that first line one time in my discus throwing career. I mean, it was just awful. And shot put, I was okay, but I knew I would never place. And all I wanted was a ribbon because when I was in middle school, I had dislocated both hips and had three major surgeries in two years, couldn't walk for two years. And the doctor after my third surgery said, good luck, you have the hips of an 80 year old. No offense to anyone in a shroom, you'll never be active again. It's just not what you wanna hear when you're 13 and have dreams of playing you know, professional sports. And so, um, and so anyway, every time I did athletics, it was like more about this mental game for me of like fighting against that, you know? So my coach comes up to me one day, and I'm like on my second Mountain Dew, second Twinkie probably. Uh, <laughs> hey, you've been there. Some of y'all fixing go home today and be right there. Don't lie. We in the Lord's house, all right? I ain't shaming you, but. Uh, so she comes up to me. She's like, yo, Davis, you're running a two-mile tonight. I said, oh, no, I'm not. She goes, no, really, you are. I've signed you up. And I said, sweet baby Jesus, this would be a fantastic day for you to come back, sir. I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> I'll even retie my shoes. <laughs> and so he didn't come. And instead, I put on that track uniform that was five sizes too small, non-stretchy, highlighted every curve I never knew I had. And I felt sick to my stomach and I lined up. You're welcome, I spared you the visual. So we line up, and the guy's standing there with a gun, and I literally prayed, God, please let him misfire and take me out for the good of me and for the good of everyone here, please. He didn't, and so the race began. And I wouldn't say I ran, it was more like a shuffle. Truffle shuffle, if we want to get fancy. I'm going so slow in my mind, I'm literally going back and forth between lap one, lap one, lap one, lap one, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things, you know, just saying it over and over. And everything is burning. My fat rolls are jiggling. Everything aches. And I feel sick to my stomach. And I'm regretting the Twinkie and Mountain Dew. And my twin sister, who's the size of my left leg, every time she passes me, literally in complete senses, Sis, you're doing such a great job. I'm so proud of you. Keep going. You know what my response was? <laughs> no exaggeration. I couldn't even tell her thank you. 
So my sister, God bless her, finishes the race and she starts running back and forth across the football field to meet me on every side to cheer me on. And uh, yeah, that's like the hallmark moment. The horror moment is when the sun began to set and (laughs) my coach literally sat on the bench and read the paper. And by the time um, I got to the last, you know, that little straightaway, I mean, I just sprinted like, just like, ended. And this lady came up to me and she goes, I don't know who you were, but that was the most heartwarming finish I'd ever seen. I thought, lady, if you look like a baby walrus in shrink wrap, you would have been running like that too. (laughs) Just trying to end the nightmare. I did get third place. I was the third runner of that race. I also ended up placing in shot put and I lost all the ribbons. So here we are today. Makes for a great story. But that... I would say was one of my golden hours. See, in photography, there's this phrase called golden hour, and it refers to the period of daytime shortly after sunrise or before sunset, during which daylight is redder and softer than when the sun is higher in the sky. The golden hour is also sometimes called the magic hour, especially by cinematographers. Say that five times fast. It's the perfect moment to capture that prized selfie, the sunlight splashing across your face in the softest of hues. And yet there's another definition for the golden hour. In the medical world, the phrase golden hour is the first hour after the occurrence of a traumatic injury, considered the most critical for successful emergency treatment. Isn't that much like our journey with Jesus? It's the ebb and flow of bright moments in which we see the best in ourselves and in others. And it's also the shock of a traumatic injury or loss in which we just aren't sure how we're going to make it. I don't know which golden hour would better suit what led to your getting here today. But I know there is one thing which never changes, whether in the midst of deep hurts or unending joy. Jesus. Just Jesus. Simply Jesus, always and forever, only Jesus. There's a story found in the book of Luke chapter 7 about a woman named Mary. And I'm going to summarize for the sake of time today. You all are very familiar with this story. But it says that this woman brought an expensive jar of ointment or perfume to anoint the head of Jesus with. And the story also says that She wept over his feet and dried them with her hair. Researchers say that that expensive bottle of ointment and perfume cost about 300 denarii, and that would be about a year's worth wages. But Stingy Terror struggles with that 10%, man. But when we dig deeper at Mary... We find some interesting things. This is Mary, the sister of Lazarus who died. You remember? They sent help and they said, Jesus, come quickly. Lazarus is going to die if you don't do something. But there was no urgency or rush in Christ. He actually took his time. And Mary confronted him and said, had you been here 
he would not have died. Have you said that this year? In some way? God, if only you had intervened, if only you had remained true and faithful to your word, if only you would have done X, Y, and Z, then A, B, and C. And we find ourselves disappointed. We've gone from the photographic golden hour in which everything is butterflies and rainbows to the traumatic golden hour in which sometimes we're just not real sure what we believe anymore. And our mustard seed of faith feels like a shriveled up little speck of something that once was. See, Mary didn't understand who Jesus really was. We also find in the story of Lazarus, that famous verse, Jesus wept. You know, we had some massive rain last week. And our world is in a frightening place. The tension, the division, the chaos, the unknowns, the the death. The, the sickness, the, the separation of families, the, the separation of church folk over opinions about your political agenda or view or what you believe or don't believe. And instead of banding together, we've allowed it to become divisive and the enemy has a foothold. And every time it rains here, I think it's the heart of God crying and weeping for his people. He he wants us to stand together. He wants us to unite. He wants us to fight together. But y'all, there's too much friendly fire going on. There's too many casualties. Too many people getting selfish with their lives and and with their beliefs and their agendas. And, And Jesus is saying, what happened? I said, come follow me. Make disciples of me, not you. I said, pick up your cross and follow me, not put your cross on someone else to carry for you. That's not how it works. We got too many people trying to pass off crosses like luggage to the taxi cab driver. We wonder why we don't see a move of God. We wonder why things are the way that they are. It is the church's golden hour. Mary didn't understand who Jesus was. But then she witnessed the resurrection of Lazarus. Mary responded by coming once again to kneel at the feet of Jesus, this time with the understanding of who he truly was. In a beautiful act of faith, she broke that costly jar of perfume and anointed Jesus. And in a beautiful expression of humility, she cried at his feet. In a beautiful, raw moment of repentance, she dried his feet with her own hair. We all fall short and miss the true character of Jesus. But we can go to him without shame. And just like Mary, we will find acceptance and hope. I'm about to wrap up, but I've got a brief story I want to read this evening, this afternoon. Ann Voskamp is hands down my favorite author, speaker. Um, Homeschool mama lives in Canada. I highly encourage all of you to read her work Um, she has a deep 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 love for Jesus and respect for his word which is rare these days but um, this is a blog post she wrote 
And it's based on a true story. So I'm just going to read her words as written because they're so beautifully said. The old Kahoot ran in his boots. Weren't too many of anybody who believed he could. The kids and I read about the old guy one night after supper and a dishwasher's moaning away, crumbs still across the counter. How the old guy ran for 544 miles. His name was Cliff Young, and he wasn't so much. He was 61 years old, a farmer. Mr. Young showed up for the race in his Oshkosh overalls and with his work boots on, with galoshes over the top, in case it rained. He had no Nike sponsorship. He had no wife, hadn't had one ever. Lived with his mother, never ran in any kind of race before. Never ran a five-mile race or a half marathon, not even a marathon. But here he was standing in his work boots at the starting line of an ultra marathon. The most grueling marathon in the world, a 544 mile marathon. Try wrapping your head around pounding the concrete with one foot after another for 544 endless stretching miles. They don't measure races like that in yards, but in zip codes. First thing Cliff did was take out his teeth said his false teeth rattled when he ran, said he grew up on a farm with sheep and no four-wheelers, no horses. So the only way to round up sheep was on the run. Sometimes the best training for the really big things is just the everyday things. That's what Cliff said. Whenever the storms would roll in, I'd have to go run and round up the sheep. 2,000 head of sheep, 2,000 acres of land. Sometimes I'd have to run those sheep for two or three days. I can run this race. It's only two more days. Five days, I've run sheep for three. Got any backers? Reporters shoved their microphones around old Cliff like a spike belt. No. Cliff slipped his hands into his overall pockets. Then you can't run. Cliff looked down at his boots. Does man need backers or does a man need to believe? What you believe is the biggest backer you'll ever have. The other runners, all under a buffed 30 years of age, they take off like pump shots from that starting line. And scruffy old Cliff staggers forward. He doesn't run, shuffles more like it. Straight back, arms dangling, feet awkwardly shuffling along. Cliff eats dust. For 18 hours, the racers blow down the road, far down the road, and old Cliff shuffles on behind. Come the pitch black of night, the runners in their $400 ergonomic Nikes and Adidas lay down by the roadside. Because that's the plan to win an ultramarathon, to run 544 straight miles. 18 hours of running, 6 hours of sleeping, rinse and repeat for 5, 6, 7 days. The dark falls in, runners sleep, cameras get turned off, reporters go to bed. And through the black of night, one 61-year-old man far behind keeps shuffling on. Cliff Young runs on through the dark because he didn't know you were supposed to stop. The accepted way professional runners approached the race was to run 18 hours, sleep six for seven days straight. But Cliff Young didn't know that. He didn't know the accepted way. He only knew what he did regularly back home, the way he had always done it. You run through the dark. 
Turns out when Cliff Young said he gathered sheep around his farm for three days, he meant he'd run across 2,000 acres of farmland for three straight days without stopping or sleeping, without the dark ever stopping him. You gathered sheep by running through the dark. So along the endless stretches of highway, a tiny shadow of an old man shuffled along, one foot after the other, right through the heat, right through the night. Cliff gained ground. Cliff gained ground because he didn't lose ground to the dark. Cliff gained ground because he ran through the dark. And somewhere at the outset of the knife, Cliff Young in his overalls, he shuffled past the tone runners half his age. And by the morning light, teethless Cliff Young, who wasn't young at all, he was a tiny shadow, far, far ahead of the professional athletes. For five days, 15 hours and four minutes straight, Cliff Young ran, never once stopping for the dark, never stopping until the old sheep farmer crossed the finish line. First, he crossed the finish line first, beating a world record by two whole days. The second place runner crossed the finish line nine hours after Old Cliff. And when they handed Old Cliff Young his $10,000 prize, he said he hadn't known there was a prize. Said he'd run for the wonder of it. Said that all the other runners had worked hard too. So Cliff Young waited at the finish line and handed each of the runners an equal share of the 10000 While others run fast, you can just shuffle with perseverance. While others impress, you can simply press on. While others stop for the dark, you can run through the dark. The race is won by those who keep running through the dark. Could be the year to pull a Cliff Young. It's been a dark year. And it's looked different for everyone. You know, sometimes I forget as a child of God that I have a prize. Because the road gets lonely. The road gets hard. I love that Cliff said he didn't even know there was a prize. But you and I, we know there's a prize. And that prize is Jesus. In all of his beauty and in all of his radiance, and I hope by God's grace and mercy, all of us will stand face to face with him one day as he so tenderly grasps our face. Says, well done, baby girl. Well done. He is our prize. He is our reward. He is our everything. It's not about accolades. It's not about pats on the back. It's not about someone encouraging us. Or noticing the good things that we do. We play and we pray and we sing and we worship and we serve and we love and we give for an audience of one. Amen. And I'm telling you, if you get stuck in the trap that the enemy sets out for us, when it becomes about nobody sees me, nobody hears me, nobody's cheering me on. You're going to quit. 
And that's exactly what the enemy wants. He hates you. And he's a liar. And there is no source of truth in him at all. He hates us gathering today. Praise God, we've had electricity the whole time. He, he hates the worship that's happened. He, he hates the leadership team who has put this together. Mamas, he hates that you go home and you keep battling for your kids in prayer because you've been doing it for 20 years. Don't quit. He's going to do everything he can to stop through Justice Ministries. I'm going to mess that up, but that's what I meant. Yeah, fresh start. Thanks for the fresh start, man. But the audience of one is the greatest audience in the world. And we've lost sight of that. And we've lost sight of that because we've spent more time looking in the mirror of our bathrooms than the mirror of God's word. We've lost sight of that because we've been so busy calculating the faults and the hangups and the habits and, and the sins of others instead of taking account of our own stuff. We've lost sight of the beauty and radiance of Jesus because somewhere along the way, worship became about, oh, I don't like that song, or they off key, or that rhythm's bad, or I wish I could sit down, or I wish we could sing 20 minutes longer. It was never about us. It was about Him. And the reason you and I struggle to know who He is and how incredible He is and how amazing He is and how faithful He is and how loving He is it's because somewhere along the way we quit. We started doing things the accepted way. The easy way. When was the last time you went to God and tell him how mad you were? And you were honest. You can't deal with something until you're honest. My favorite quote, I want this on my, my tombstone when I'm no longer here one day. My favorite quote says this, my prayer is that when I die, all of hell rejoices that I am no longer in the fight. I am here to raise hell in Jesus' name. You are here to raise hell in Jesus' name. Whatever your circle is, whatever your sphere of influence is, but if you're not running, ain't no one, no one, you won't get anywhere. The Bible says that our journeys with Jesus is like, a race and and we put our eyes on the things that are ahead not on the things that are behind my prayer is that each one of us with our brokenness our tears our disappointment our entire life savings whatever it is that you have left in this wilderness season that you will pour it all out on the feet of Jesus because only he is worthy. None other is worthy. Only Jesus Christ is the one true God, the big G, the the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who reigns in all sovereignty and majesty and wonder and love and faithfulness. He is kind and good in all that he does. I'll be honest. I, uh, when I got the message this week to be funny and lighthearted, I said, well, shucks. They, they don't know what kind of week it's been. I've cried every day this week. Probably a lot of you have too. I find myself broken in ways that I don't have the words for. 
The tears have been like rising floodwaters. The disappointment runs deep like an undercurrent threatening my mustard seed of faith. The death, the loss, the pain, the sorrow, the confusion, the grieving, the countless unknowns. Oh, my word. But Jesus... He's steady. He's constant. He's unchanging. He's ever faithful. He's ever present. And I want my life to be poured out like a sweet perfume on his feet because he is worthy. It says in the Bible somewhere between Genesis and Revelation, like I tell my students when I don't know the reference, that we are. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. You can use that. That was free. Put that in your goodie bag. Somewhere between Genesis and Revelation, it says that you and I are, are to be the sweet aroma or the sweet fragrance of Jesus everywhere. That means we ought to smell like Jesus. We ought to look like Jesus. We ought to sound like Jesus. When people are done spending time with us, they should be more curious about Jesus and his word and his love for them. Because if not, we're failing. The fragrance of Jesus. I want to pull a Cliff Young running for the sheer wonder of it all. The sheer wonder of a God who would love someone like me. The wonder of a God who is so powerful and so majestic and and literally holds our planet in perfect orbit. Like if our tiny blue dot of a planet were one inkometer closer to the sun, you and I would burn alive instantly. The sun is not a ball of yellow wax, ladies. It's like a ball of raging gas. And who keeps us in perfect orbit exactly where we need to be? The same one who longs to hear your heart and is waiting for you to get honest with him about your disappointments and your hangups and your hurts and your fears. Stop playing, church. We don't have time for that anymore. We're not promised tomorrow. God forbid. This could be our last day. Would we be satisfied with how we lived it? I want a life poured out, a life that magnifies the beauty, faithfulness, and wonder of Jesus. Our story for his glory continuously being a light in the midst of absolute darkness. I'm almost done. Sometimes our deepest prayers are simply tears. And sometimes the best of us that we have to offer is the broken pieces of us. But when we take those broken pieces and we place them in the hands of our great shepherd, he alone can create a beautiful mosaic of grace with his sovereignty and beauty radiating through every crack. C.S. Lewis said this, don't shine so that others can see you. Shine so that through you, others can see him. Would you pray with me? God. I'm so sorry. I thank you for your love for me, your love for us. God, I thank you for your faithfulness to me. God, that all throughout my life, through every high and every low, God, you have been steady. You have been constant. You have kept your word to me, God in spite of me, and I thank you for that. God, I know there are so many in this place today who are hurting. God, there has been so much 
death and so much sickness, God. So many people that are alone and we can't go see family and we can't go see friends. And God, we're at a loss. Our world desperately needs you, Jesus. And God, I'm sorry for the ways that I failed to represent you because I had my own agenda. God, I pray that you would help us to run our race again with you and for you for the simple wonder of it all that we get to run straight into your arms, Jesus. God, help those in this room today who have pulled a muscle along the way, who are tired, who are weary, God, who feels so alone and discouraged. God, help them. Jesus, be near. Revive us, God. Strengthen us. God, let the scales fall from our eyes so that we can see you and behold you in the beauty and splendor of your glory, God. God, help us to join together, to link arms together and stop swinging at each other. God, clothe us in your humility. Crush our little kingdoms that we have so carefully built and constructed, God, in our pride and selfishness. Crush them, God, in Jesus' name. God, our only hope and prayer is that when others see us, they see you, Jesus. When others hear us, God, let them hear you, God. Empty us of ourselves, God. Help us to stop passing off our cross as someone else's responsibility, God. But help us to woman up and to stand up and to rise up and to armor up in your word, God. And to pick up our crosses and to carry them. And to faithfully follow you, God, into whatever you call us to, God. Whether it's the golden hour of a perfect sunset or, God, the golden hour of loss and confusion and chaos and hurt. God, help us to be faithful for your name and your fame and your honor alone. Jesus, we honor you and we exalt you and we magnify you in this place. There is none other. There is none other. God, find us faithful to finish the race you've set before us. In Jesus' name, amen.